benediction to everybody else this morning. Shall we open our service in the word of God? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day, another beautiful late summer day. We thank you for the weather has been so nice and the crops coming off. These natural gifts that are given us in this country so abundantly. We thank you for all the things that make our natural lives complete. Freedom, work, and love, and families, and all those things that we easily take for granted. We wish to spend a few moments here and give thanks for these things. We thank you for this word. We thank thee for that piece of a good conscience the song spoke about that we just sang. That we can live in that realm of knowing that our sins are forgiven, knowing that a Savior has died for us and risen again, knowing that He cares, knowing that He looks after our needs whether they be great or small and we ask you to watch over this little service this morning give our speaking brother words from this living word that we open and look into often give us direction give us guidance for the trials and troubles we face as we go through life be with all those believers all over the world. Comfort them. Send help to them in time of need. Be with our leaders, leaders of our nation, leaders across the world even. Our nation's leaders, our community's leaders, our school's leaders, our home's leaders. We ask that thy hand would be in all these things to guide us and lead us unto, even unto eternal life. Hear us now as we pray that prayer thy Son Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and give us trespasses as we forgive those the trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Shall we continue with 198?
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace, mercy, and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. For a text this morning, I'll take the sure familiar portion to, to us. It's found in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter. We'll start at the first verse and read through the 19th. Reading in Jesus' name. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man, but his master, and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife, and she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria? For he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is in the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, Excuse me, Go to, go, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter, that he rent his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive? That this man does send unto me to recover a man of his leprosy. Wherefore consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elisha, the man of God, had heard that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Wherefore hast thou rent thy clothes? Let him come now to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Are not Abbana and Farpar, rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? May I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spake unto him and said, My father, if the prophet had bid thee to go and do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? How much rather then, when he has said unto thee, Wash and be clean? Then went he down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh came again, like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now therefore I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given to thee, to thy servant, two mules' burden of earth? For thy servant came henceforth, offer neither burnt offerings nor sacrifice unto other gods, but unto the Lord. In this thing the Lord pardon thy servant, that when my master...
goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon. When I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Amen. This account, I believe, is another example of how it is that God used happenings in the Old Testament and recorded them for us so that we were given examples of different things that we deal with. And I believe that this is, I say, a beautiful picture of a repentance and of someone, I mean, not only is it happened naturally here we see, but I believe it speaks to some of the spiritual things. We are told, it's called the Great Commission, at the end of all the gospel messages, Jesus instructs his disciples And not just his disciples, but I believe all believers, that we're to go out and preach repentance and remission of sins. And yes, we are encouraged to do that, and I would hope that we would do that. Even, I don't think, a lot of Christians in many ways that we do it formally, that we would get up and preach. But that our life life would just speak that message that others would see the truth. And it is, I guess just speaking for myself, almost, uh, if I say a scary thing to think that someone would look at my life and, and, and that's an and it seems so lacking of example to draw to God. And I guess we have to leave those things with God. And it is, I guess, one of the mysteries and miracles of God that He can use these human beings that we are to draw others to Christ. It was it happened when I was bailing this week. I sometimes were. I'm able to just listen, and I have old sermons, and I happen to listen to one of my dad's, excuse me, and he said something in there that I can very much relate to, and I'm sure anybody who's been in this position, he, I don't know his exact wordings, but the gist of what he said was that he has been given to be in this position of speaking and he said it has given him rise to the fact that he's often questioned the wisdom of God that God has used him and put him in that position and it is how it is and yet miraculously God is able to use us as his servants as failing as we are to share that word. And and if we're going to look for someone who's perfect 
that we would go and that is what we become as Christians it doesn't line up with scripture and even in reading this story about Naaman the Syrian we see how different God works than at least my mind and reasoning is it says now Naaman the captain of the host of the king of Syria was a great man and his master, with his master and honorable so here we have a man and, and he was not of the children of Israel he was if I say he was outside of that he was if you say a heathen he, he didn't believe in the living God and yet he was powerful and it says because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria we read and we can read stories in the Bible of we can name many of them we can think of Noah we can think of Samson we can think of David just to name a few men that God used they were men of God and God used them to accomplish what he wanted his purpose and we can read with them also they they were failing and yet God used them but the miracle of how God works is that God uses all people whether they are believers or not to accomplish his purpose and yes we know that they are oftentimes very going very contrary to what God would want and yet still God can use them to achieve his purpose and we see that, that this man God was using him even before he had any knowledge of the living God and I have had occasions where I've talked to people who have they have not been childhood Christians and maybe they had very little to no contact with God or, or with Christ and almost maybe nothing with living faith until they are older and then they have been brought into faith and they have expressed the I guess awe that they have seen looking back on their life how it is before they had any understanding of God they could still recognize that he put boundaries on their life and kept them from going so far in some direction that they were unable to come back it is something that I believe we just have to leave with God because he knows everything from beginning to end we do not and it is why we are encouraged to freely and not withhold sharing the gospel message with anybody we don't know whose God will work in a heart and draw here we see a man who is and I'm sure the people of Israel probably 
did not think that highly of him because it tells us that they'd been raiding into Israel and taking people away captive. And I'm sure they've been destroying cities and robbing and probably killing. And yet we see that God was using him for his purpose. And we have the benefit of knowing the end of this story that he was came to know God and came in to put his faith in God. It says that he was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. We often look at this condition of leprosy, and yes, we know it is a natural disease, but biblically, spiritually speaking, it is a picture of of sin and what sinful beings we are. And even if we look into how leprosy works, we see that it is often how sin works. It, it creeps in and it, and it can completely overtake. And I won't go far into that, but here was a man. And, and I guess if we, if I put it this way, it does not matter how wonderful of life we appear to have we all are sinners and we are still doomed because of that sinful condition that we have if we are outside of Christ <clears throat> said and the Syrians had gone out by company and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid and she waited on Naaman's wife and she said unto her mistress would God my lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus saith the maid that is of the land of Israel. <clears throat> to me, here we see something of how different God's way is than my way. Here we have a man that is in one of the most powerful men in one of the most powerful countries in the area. And my mind says if we look at that and I think of not even someone in my own country but someone say in a in another country and they are one of the people that is in power there and we're trying to think of who we could send that would bring the message of to them of I'll say the gospel message speak of Christ to them and I'm sure we could trouble that thought for quite a while and and who would feel qualified to go and speak to them who is it that would have enough experience and be sound enough in the word and, and to me and there's nothing wrong with looking into those qualifications. We look into the beginning of Acts there, and there was a question of who should wait on tables, and people were getting after the disciples, and they said, no, we're going to stay with speaking and in prayer, but pick ye men out filled with the Spirit of God. And that was just to serve at tables. So there's nothing wrong with that. But we see how it is that God, here was a little maid. 
And that is who God used to bring this message to Naaman. And it would appear that it wasn't even her that directly spoke to him. We see the power of God. If there's a heart that God sees and knows, that it would hear that message and it would be drawn to him. He can use anybody to share that. And it speaks to all of us. I don't think any of us feel very qualified and and I shouldn't use this word, but for emphasis, theological and, and of great ability to share the gospel. But we are encouraged to, and we are encouraged to be quick to share what we have. And I think there are these stories, even of this little maid here, that are given to us so that we can see that it isn't of us. Yes, God uses us. And it might not even be who we tell to who benefits from it, but they share, oh, we heard this from somebody. But she just shared what she believed. <clears throat> and it's another interesting thing that this little maid, she says, she wishes that, and this isn't what it says here, but it's just that she wishes that Naaman was, was <coughs> that prophet in Israel, that he could be healed. And I, I thought one time that, well, maybe she'd been in Israel and seen Elisha heal somebody of leprosy. Except that then we turn to the New Testament and there's and Jesus is speaking these words. This is found in the fourth chapter of Luke. And it says, and many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. This little girl hadn't witnessed that Elisha had healed people of leprosy. It's, Jesus says he was the only one that this happened to. And so we see that it wasn't anything but the Spirit of God had revealed to this little girl that Elisha had been given power of God to heal. That there was healing for sin with, those, with the prophets of God. And someone goes and tells Naaman, and obviously the king heard. And the king says, go to, and I will send a letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him ten talents of silver and six thousand pieces of gold and ten changes of raiment. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, saying, now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therefore with I have therewith sent Naaman my servant to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his lepers. And we see, if I say, the beginning of how gracious God is and how quickly human reasoning can come into these things. The little maid had said that she wished he could see the prophet in Israel. This story gets to Naaman and to the king. And who do they 
go to. They head to the king of Israel. And that's who he sends Naaman to. And I think if we look at it spiritually, and we say that, and I believe I've said it many times probably from this place, that we would encourage people to go where God is found. That he is found dwelling in the heart of his children. That's where we find God. That is where we find Christ. And that is where we find that forgiveness, that healing of sin, that cleansing of leprosy. And yet, man's reasoning would say, well, we go to God. Even, Even in the New Testament, it is recorded that when Jesus told people that thy sins are forgiven me that forgiven thee the scribes and Pharisees said who can forgive sin but God it's human reasoning and it's how our mind works but it's not how God works and we see the other thing that he did is he took 10,000 talents of silver and 6,000 pieces of gold and 10 changes of clothing. There again we see human nature. We have to do something. We have to bring something of an offering that we would deserve this cleansing. We, We know There is nothing that we can offer that adds up to being enough to pay for what we are. I don't know if I can turn to it here, but in Micah it says this. It says, Wherefore shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves of a year old, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams or ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. And yet human nature thinks that surely if we bring something that is needed, and it will be more helpful. And he comes and he brings the letter to the king. And the king is troubled and he thinks that the king of Syria is just looking for a fight with him. Looking for an excuse probably to come and invade Israel again. We see that then Elisha He hears of this, and he says, send him to me, that he would know that there is a prophet in Israel. And I believe that that is something else that I would hope that we are able to convey to others. That if there is people, and it doesn't seem to matter how powerful they would be in this world, they don't have the power in themselves to take care of sin. We have been blessed with a great 
blessing to understand where forgiveness is found. Where it is that someone can be cleansed of that leprosy problem. That skin can be taken care of. And we would encourage people to send people to where that is. Where the prophets or priests of God are found. Where those children of God are. Where that spirit of God is dwelling in the hearts. That is where God works. And we see that here with Elisha, it's where God works. Said so Naaman came with his horse and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. And here it is interesting how in these stories God can work it so that we see different views of things using the same person. Here we have Elisha. And Naaman, he came to him. And I believe it's a picture of someone seeking God. He came where Naaman where Elisha was, was living come to the door of his house someone comes into the hearing of God's word Elisha sent a messenger to tell him what it is to do I believe that each and every one of us is one of those messengers or potentially one of those messengers that we can share with someone who is seeking God and seeking forgiveness that we can instruct them this is what the Bible tells us this is what God says to do that what I said earlier to preach repentance and remission of sins to that heart we remember, we remember the parable of the prodigal son. He's coming back. And yes, his father came and kissed him, but it doesn't record that he said anything to him. He sent his servants to take care, to clothe him and, and clean him. We are instructed to do that. His servant tells him, what to do? Go wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away, and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, and strike his hand over the place, and recover the leprosy. Here we see human nature again. People have a preconceived idea of how it is that this problem should be taken care of. And, and it often, and I'm sure we have experienced that at times, when we bring that simple gospel message to someone, it causes anger. That's not how it should work. 
they have an idea that, well, this is how it should happen. But God has laid out in his word how he works. He has put that message into the hearts of his children by experience. We've experienced those things. We can share it with others. And we see that one of the big things is that he didn't think that this, it was too humbling. It wasn't a good enough river that he would go to. That there surely must be something, even back where he came from, there was better rivers to go wash in. It's how our mind works. Surely there is something bigger and more that we could do except just humble ourselves and go to where that living water is found. And I believe that this river Jordan here that pictured it with, it is even that water that proceeds out of the temple that's spoken there in Ezekiel. And it is used for the cleansing of the nations. It is that river of life. And it doesn't look very spectacular to human nature. We can come up with all sorts of things to do instead of just humble ourselves before this word of God and that we would be washed in that word. We read in Leviticus there the story of the two birds and how one is killed over running water and the second bird is dipped into it and sorry and the blood is dripped into the water and the second bird is dipped in it and it's a picture here of exactly the same thing as this we know that out of Christ's side flowed blood and water and they were mixed and they cannot be separated we cannot take this word of God and remove the blood of Christ out of this word of God it's not possible. It's no longer the word of God. It is what provides the cleansing. And Naaman, it says that he is to dip himself seven times in there. I believe that tells us that we are to completely immerse, our, immerse ourselves in the fullness of this word. That we would be cleansed. We don't just try to take bits and pieces. That we would be willing to, if I say, swim in it. That water that proceeds out of that temple there in Ezekiel, it starts at the ankles and knees and gets deeper till you can swim in it. And I believe that there's a lot in there, but I think we're encouraged to come, like give up what we think is, is safety and just completely trust in this word. We see though, he went, it says, so he turned and went away in a great rage. It caused anger. It caused him to go away from where that message was. And we maybe experience those circumstances with people 
someone comes, they hear that gospel message and it offends them. They, no, there's another way to do this. Surely there's something better than that. This is what happens with Naaman. And I think there's those that hear that and they get upset about it and they go away and they don't come back. And it is a sad state if that happens. And I think it is on us that we would be these servants here. That we would continue to implore them and speak to them and encourage them that He says, My father, if the prophet had bid thee do some great thing, wouldst thou not have done it? We see, and it's true, it's our human nature, and we see people for much less important things than soul salvation going off on some, and I'll use the word quest or something, some great trial that they've done some journey to some place or do something and they knew Naaman's nature he he was a mighty man of valor he was willing to do anything except humble himself it is a simple message that we are to share That someone would be willing to humble their heart. Humble their heart before the word of God. Humble their heart and do what is encouraged in this word of God. That we would go to that river Jordan. That we would seek, excuse me, seek God where he is found. It doesn't look that spectacular and maybe even looks a little messy compared to something that we could come up with. But it was what God has laid out. And we see here something that is wonderful. Naaman, he did. He humbled himself and went and did exactly what he had been instructed to do from God. So he went down and dipped himself seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God. And there we see how it is that if we are doing, (coughs) it doesn't matter whether it seems to add up to our thinking, it fits what God instructs. It, It is the best thing to do. And it is going to accomplish what we are asking God to accomplish in our life. And in this case, with Naaman, It is accomplishing the most important thing that a person could ever accomplish. It is cleansing himself from sin. Sorry, that is poor wording. He is going to that place where he can be cleansed from sin. And it is accomplished because he humbled himself and did what God asked. said, and his flesh came like unto the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. We are encouraged. It says that lest he become as a little child. And I think that it means that we are humble. That we are 
simple. Yes, we are failing. Little children aren't perfect. Anybody who's been a parent for any length of time recognizes that quite clearly. But they let things go. And they just trust. And I believe here we see that yes, this flesh that was so troubling to him, he still had it. But that sin problem was gone. We are still walking with that same flesh, that same sinful inclinations. We don't become perfect, but through the blood of Christ, which is found in that word of God, we can be cleansed. And we are encouraged to share that message with others. If there's someone, and we see here how God worked in the heart of Naaman to bring him to that place where he recognized that not only did he need cleansing, but he knew where that could be found if he would simply humble himself. I don't think there is anybody, if they are, are honest with themselves, there's people who don't want to admit it, I'm sure, and think that they're perfect and without sin. I mean, the Bible tells us that. But I believe deep down everybody knows that, no, we're sinners. And if God works that they can be drawn to recognize where they can find to deal with that sin problem, it's a wonderful thing. It says, And he returned to the man of God and all his company and came and stood before him and said, Behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. Now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. And he said, As the Lord liveth before whom I stand, I will receive none. And he urged him, but he would take it. But he urged him to take it, but he refused. Naaman is thankful for what has happened. And we see how it is that the importance of, we say that message of forgiveness of sins. When the sin problem was gone. It wasn't just that he became, that his flesh became clean. No, he recognized God is God. And he recognized what God is. There's no other God. There is no other place for salvation but the living God that is found in Israel, that's found among the children of God. And he comes and he, he offers to Elisha a gift. And I think that this is something that we need to remember. It says, freely ye have received, freely give. We can't say, well, I received this forgiveness freely, but I'm going to charge people to get it from me. It seems ridiculous when we understand how faith and forgiveness works, but... There's people that seem to do that. They put a price upon it. And I believe it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, monetary value. I believe even the thing where (coughs) people are sent to do penance. What good is it? If you're forgiveness, forgiven of something, going and doing something to pay for it, 
it's ridiculous. And I didn't read it, but if we go on further down at the end of the chapter, we see that Elisha's servant went and he said, well, he will take something. And we see that it says that him and his seed, leprosy would cleave to them forever. It's a bad place to be if you're going to try and, if I say, charge someone for forgiveness or put a price on it. The only price that is on it, and it is beyond anything we could ever pay, was paid by Christ. He paid for it. And it is offered to us freely. And we can offer it to others freely. And all that is required is that they would humble themselves before that word of God and allow it to cleanse that gospel message that their sin is forgiven. Not because I say it, but because I say it with the name and blood of Christ backing up what we say. Then it tells us something that is very interesting. It says, And Naaman said, Shall there not then, I pray thee, be given unto thy servant two mules burdens of earth? For thy servant will henceforth offer nothing, neither burnt offering nor sacrifice unto any other god, but unto the Lord. (coughs) In this thing the Lord pardon thy servants, that when my master goeth into the house of Ramon to worship there, and he leaneth on my hand, and I bow myself in the house of Ramon, when I bow down myself in the house of Ramon, the Lord pardon thy servant in this thing. This man, he knew, because of where his station in life was, and I will back up this in the New Testament, Paul says that in whatever place in life that you come into faith, stay there. If you're a servant, be a servant. If you're a master, continue to be a master. I'll put it, if you're a farmer, just continue farming. If God wants something different, he will move you. Naaman, he recognized that he was a leader in in Syria, and that's what he was doing. That was his life. And he also recognized that he was going to be required to go in with the king when the king went and worshipped an idol. And he had, because of what he had experienced and what he knew, He knew that it was an idol. And the Bible tells us the very first thing, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And he knew it was the Lord his God. We could say that he recognized, and all I can say is that it was a revelation of the Spirit to him, that the first thing he was going to appeared to do as a Christian was go and break right off the bat the very first commandment. And obviously it troubled him. And I believe here it says that he would be given two mules burdens of earth. And I believe that it's a picture of those two covenants. It tells us Jesus rode the colt, the ass. But I believe that it is 
telling us that that Old Testament and that New Testament, they are enough to carry this burden of earth that we walk with. And there are some days, and I'm sure all of us experience it, that it seems like such a burden to have to be a human being and live with this flesh that we have. It's, to me, one of the most disheartening things that my, I wish that we could become a Christian and all of a sudden the problems of this flesh would go away. But it isn't how it works. We have to carry it with us where we go. But he was asking for a reminder or for assurance that those covenants are enough to carry that. And, and even in doing something that would appear wrong. And we see how it is that God doesn't work on the surface. We remember that the, the Pharisees, they were very worried about what was going on and what it appeared to others. But Jesus says, you are whited sepulchers, but inside you are dead man's bones. Here we see the opposite of what is happening. It, it would appear that this man was going and worshipping another god, but inside, with the heart that God had dealt with, he knew that this was of no value. It was just something that was required because of his station in life. And I think we have to be very careful about those things. We can't say, well, don't worry about this, even though it doesn't look good. No, we are encouraged to do what is right, even in appearance. But there are times when this is necessary, that this flesh and what is is required is troublesome. What does Elisha say unto him? And he said unto him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a little way. Elisha tells him, Be at peace. What God has laid out, that old and new covenant, we at our time have the benefit of living in the New Testament covenant. It isn't that we would throw the Old Testament away and say, well, it's of no value. We read even here's a story in it that is a picture of Christ and of what he has done and repentance and the walk of a Christian. God has given us those things that it can carry our flesh that we have to drag through this life. And we aren't perfect. But in spite of this that we walk with, when Christ dwells in a heart, God sees us as holy and righteous and perfect. And that is something that is hard for me to understand. And I struggle to believe at times. But we're encouraged to. It isn't in our being perfect. It isn't in our walking perfectly. <clears throat> yes, we fail. And yes, we are encouraged and instructed very clearly to not carry those burdens. It says, come quickly to that altar of mercy. If we are struggling with something, there is forgiveness. 
We can be assured of that. Let us walk by the Spirit. And let us walk encouraging others to that place where cleansing can be found. Let us be quick to share that gospel message. Whether it be with someone who is completely outside the household of God or whether it's to encourage someone who is walking and struggling as a child of God or even the little children that we would walk in such a way that they would be led to Christ that faith in Christ would be important may God give each of us faith as we walk here in this life in Jesus name Amen Shall we humble our hearts and receive the benediction? May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Shall we close with 199? <clears throat> Thank you.